Hebrews 12, are you there? Hebrews 12 and verse 2. Well, the latter part of verse 1 talked about running with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. The author and finisher of our faith. The Bible talks about, keep your eye, in the English version, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, on whom our faith depends from beginning to end. He is the source of our faith. He is the finisher of our faith. The beginning and the end of our faith. And our faith is a measure of his own faith. Different places like Revelation and a couple of places in the New Testament refer to the faith of Jesus. And the faith of Jesus is what is in us. And it's what we are to live by. It's what we are to walk by. It's what we are to receive every need met by. It's what we are to please God by. The faith of Jesus is in you and in me. And it's the only way we can please God and run our race and finish our course. So we've been talking for some weeks now about the faith of Jesus. Let me review just a little bit for those of you that haven't been with us. First of all, we saw that faith is required. It is not optional. How many understand that nobody gets in the kingdom of God and is born again unless they believe? If you believe, you'll be saved. If you don't believe, you will not be saved. Belief, faith, is not optional. It's required. We saw that there's no such thing as someone who can't believe. Believing is a decision. If I tell you something, and you look at me and you say, Brother Keith, I just can't believe that. (laughs) That's not true. You choose not to believe it. You look at me, you listen to what I've said, and you decide whether I told you the truth or whether I told you a lie. You decide whether I'm right or whether I'm wrong about it, and you make a decision. You say, yes, I believe you, or no, I don't. And that's what people do with the Word all the time. Yes, I believe that. No, I don't. People say that all the time. Well, I just can't believe that. That's not true. You choose not to believe it. You could believe it if you decided to. Belief is not based on what you see or feel. It's a decision to believe in the integrity of the one who spoke the word, right? Our faith is not just in a book. It's not just in ink and paper. It's in the one, the person who said these words, right? And like the Bible said concerning Sarah, she judged him faithful. When he told Abram and Sarah that, you know, Sarah's going to conceive and have a child, she's 90, he's 99, she couldn't conceive when she was 20, But she said, hey, God said it, right? Can you believe it? Yes, they could believe it. They chose to believe it. He chose to believe it. And boy, in about nine months, here he came. Amen. Can you believe God? Can you believe what he said? Can you trust him and have faith in him for your healing and for your needs to be met and everything? Yes, you can. Never say, I can't believe that. What you just said is, I choose not to. We talked about how important truth is. You cannot have faith in someone you know to be a liar. That includes yourself. Right? 
And we talked about expecting. And we talked about that faith comes by hearing. For the last few sessions, we've been talking about the enemies of faith. We have seen that it's possible to hear the word and get faith inside you and start out walking by faith and start out believing and doing really well and then to be tripped up. Uh, The first one we talked about was offense. You can become offended and lose your faith. Right? We saw that wavering would cause you to lose your faith. Right? I mean, you hear the word. You get stirred up. You get excited. You get in faith. And then get to looking at the wrong thing. And get to thinking and talking about the wrong thing. And start wavering and vacillating. Well, what we're seeing is there are enemies of faith. Just because you hear the word and get faith and start out good doesn't mean you're going to finish. It's not automatic that you're going to get results. You have to stay with it from the beginning to the end. You don't just start. you got to finish. And so that goes along with our text, doesn't it? Run the race. Don't just start the race. What? Finish. Stay with the race. Run the race with patience. What does that mean? Stay with it. Persevere. Persevere. Persevere until you get to what Peter calls the end of your faith. What's the end of your faith? Well, it is seeing and feeling and experiencing and enjoying what you've been believing for. You know, these clothes that Phyllis bought me. I started believing for these clothes in 1981. I said, what do you mean? Well, this is very real to me. 1981, I had two little sport coats that were as cheap as you could buy. And a couple little pair of pants. And I'm in training for ministry. And so it wasn't too hard to decide what you wore. (laughs) You'd wear one one day and one the other. (laughs) And uh, I had learned right off that faith doesn't gripe. No such thing as griping about my clothes and what I don't have and being in faith for better. So I had learned to be thankful for what I had and at the same time get in faith for better. So I claim, I looked up scriptures and I found them in Leviticus and other places about how that they made fine and beautiful clothes for the ministers. The Bible said for glory and honor and for beauty. And so I said, Lord, I claim me some of them clothes. (laughs) I claim some. And so we stood and believed and stood and for years, well, since 81, how long has that been? You know, for years, I'd get a little bit better, but I know this ain't it. This is not the quality I'm talking about. We get a little bit better and I'd thank God for what I had and I thank God for another step up. But I said, no, no, it's coming. It's coming. And only in the last year or two have we begun to see what I'd been believing for. You've got to stay with it. What if I'd have gone 10 years and said, well, you know, I guess this is, <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking. You can't just start. You've got to what? You've got to stay persistent and patient all the way until you see the end of your faith. Let's say you believe I received my healing. 
and you don't see it in three days or two weeks. Or the symptoms are worse at the end of the month than when you started. See, this is what separates the men from the boys and the girls from the women. And the believers and the winners from the doubters and those that give up and cast their confidence away. So just because you start in faith, that's not all there is to it. you got to stay with it. Right? you got to finish it. And that's what he said. Run with patience the race that is set before you. Looking unto Jesus who is the author and not just the author but. Oh, come on. Now, he is what? He is the finisher of our faith. If we got him on our side helping us to finish this thing up, we ought to finish every one. We ought to finish everything we start out and believe for. Hmm? And so with you in life, everything is that way. You begin and you persist. And then what? Oh, it's fun to be around on finish day. Oh, it's great to be there when you can see the finish line. It's in sight. There it is. Oh, I've been running this thing. And one of these days, we're going to hit the big finish line. And those who have run a faith race their whole life, oh, what a day that is. What a glorious day that is. So we saw that becoming offended can cause you to lose your faith. We saw that becoming double-minded and wavering, even though you start out good, can cause you to lose your faith. Here's another thing that can cause you to lose your faith. Go with me, please, to uh, our place that we were looking at in uh, Matthew 14, and then also find Mark 4, Matthew 14 and Mark 4. Matthew 14, we studied this last week when we talked about wavering. All this ties together. Jesus, you remember, walked on the water. And uh, Peter saw him and said, Lord, if that's you, tell me to come. Well, it was him. So he told him to come. Peter stepped out of the boat. We know Peter's a man subject to like passions as us. We know he made mistakes. But what the man or woman who's willing to believe and step out on the word of God is capable of has not been seen by so many. He's doing what Jesus did. Right? He is walking on the water and he's doing it by faith. How's he doing this? He's doing it by faith. And yet... What did the Bible say? He saw the wind. Boisterous. He quit looking at Jesus and he began to look at the wind. Verse 30, and what happened? When he saw the wind boisterous, what happened? Notice we talked about faith has to be single visioned. You can't look at Jesus took my infirmities and bore my sicknesses and oh man, how I feel. Yeah, but he took my sicknesses. Yeah, but they say I'm going to die. Yeah, but he said with long life, he'll satisfy me. Yeah, but I feel worse now than I did the day before. You got to make up your mind which one you're going to look at. You can't vacillate and waver between both because the Bible said you won't receive anything of the Lord. 
and you will make a decision. You'll only do this so long. And then what will you do? In this case, what did he do? Jesus, the wind and waves. Jesus, Jesus, and then what? You'll make a decision. You're only going to do that flip-flop thing so long, and then you're going to make, you won't be looking at him anymore, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. Now you'll be looking at the problem. And when you look at Jesus, and you focus on him, and you think about what he said, faith comes by hearing. Keeping your eyes on him. Your faith is fed. Your faith is nourished. Your faith is sustained. What about when you look away from him? And you look at the thing that is the problem and the distraction. What happens then? Read the text. What happened? He saw the wind boisterous. What happened? He was what? How does fear come? Fear comes by looking at the wrong thing. Faith comes by looking at the right thing. Now, you know 2 Corinthians 4, you don't have to turn there, but 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, Well, we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. The things that are seen are temporal or temporary, but the things that are not seen are eternal. And he said, we walk by faith, not by sight. So many have started out good in faith only to be tripped up by becoming offended. Others have started out doing so well in faith only to lose their faith by becoming double-minded and wavering. Here's another thing. Many have started out well only to quit believing because of fear. Everybody say fear. Fear. Now, not long ago, if you were here, you know, we spent weeks and weeks on a series we called Free from All Fears. And fear, though we talked so much about it, I want to spend some more time on it today. It is such an insidious and destructive thing. If you get to looking at the wrong thing, fear will come in. And when it does, you'll cast your confidence away and you will get out of faith. Look at Mark chapter 4. In Mark 4. The Bible said in verse 37, Mark 4, 37, there arose a great storm of wind and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. And he, Jesus, was in the hinder part of the ship asleep on a pillar. Could you sleep through a storm in a little boat? Being pitched up and down with the waves and the lightning with water splashing in the boat and filling it up. Could you sleep through that? Apparently. Did you know it's possible to sleep in a lion's den? With great, big, hairy, smelly, hungry lions just feed away. Do you know it's possible to sleep like a baby when you're supposed to be executed first thing the next morning? Hmm? Peter did. He was sleeping so hard, the angel had to kick him. 
to get him up, didn't he? I mean, he was sawing some logs, man. He was snoozing, wasn't he? Now, get this, friends. Faith rests. Faith rests. Fear is uneasy. Fear is agitated. Right? So you can tell about yourself how well you're doing in your faith walk. Are you agitated? Are you frustrated? Are you biting your lip? Pacing the floor? Then you're not in faith. I don't care how many scriptures you quoted that day, you're not in faith. When you get in faith, you breathe a sigh of relief. You cast your cares over on the Lord. <laughs> Lay your head on the pillow. Could you do it? If you know they've already killed, you know, James, you know they're serious about it, and you are on the schedule for tomorrow. I mean, the flyers have already been printed. <laughs> Come see the execution. In those days, it was part show, too. People would gather up, especially riffraff. It was a big deal. I mean, people, vendors had come, sell bread on the side, like a football game almost, you know. So they've already got this thing slated. And he's sleeping like a baby. Why? Because when you are full of faith, You have no fear. When you're full of faith, you can rest and relax. In the face of the most terrible circumstances, you can just sit back in your chair and go, somebody say, well, what if you die? Well, you know, the Lord tears is coming. We're all going to die. What if you die? Uh, What if I do? Who, I believe it was Brother Oral Roberts. They were talking to him about a specific situation he was facing, a physical problem. And and somebody said, uh, you know, that if this didn't happen, then he might not make it. And they're talking about the alternative to him recovering and living. He paused. He said, the alternative is stunning. (laughs) What does that mean? What if you don't pull through? Yeah, what if I don't? (laughs) See, for the man or woman whom God is real to and heaven is real to, you cannot scare them with death. You can't scare them at all. And that just takes all the devil's fun away. He just, oh, it frustrates him. He tries to paint such a gloomy picture. And oh, what if you die? And oh, what if this? And oh, and you go, and oh, what if I do? <laughs> what if I do? I'm ready. Fear cannot rest. Faith rests. Now keep reading. 
He was in the hinder part of the ship asleep on a pillow. Faith can do that. Some years ago, I was flying with a fella who decided to do a trick. Yeah. (laughs) And I didn't know what I know now. This is years ago. And I mean, we took off in a jet. And we weren't, I mean, we were like maybe 20 feet off the ground. And he does this number. A 90 degree angle from the runway. Well, in order to turn, you have to dip a wing. We weren't 20 feet off the ground. That wing had to be blowing dust off the ground. Well, you touch a wing at 200 miles an hour. I mean, I know what I'm talking about. And then, (laughs) then we ripped out and leveled off and went even faster and just skimmed the top of some buildings. Well, when we were headed towards them, the buildings were higher than we were. And they are right there. I wasn't flying. I was just along for the ride. And looking at them, it occurred to me, you could die right right now. And here's the thing I want to get to. You know, of all the things you could be thinking about, I was so pleased that I wasn't scared. It was so real to me. I just sat back across my arms. I thought, okay. I'm not scared. Oh, it meant so much to me. I mean, I know seconds and I could be gone, but hey. I know what's going to happen to me. I know what's going on. Of course, I'm still here. But you know, there's been several situations like that in life over the last few decades and things come up and normally you think, well, you begin to panic or something and the panic wasn't there. Amen. Just peace. Friend, that's priceless. You can't put any price on that. What will do that for you? The word of God. If you'll put the word in you, the word in you, the word in you, year after year, it'll feed your faith. And so many times you don't even know how much is there until something comes up and then there's nothing but peace. And all you're doing is looking to the Lord. You can't put a price on that. Fear is something you and I have no business with. None. Notice what happened. They woke him up and they said, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he rose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? What will fear do to your faith? It will displace it. Full of faith means what? No fear. Full of fear means what? No faith. You can't be full of both. To be full of faith is to be free from fear. To be full of fear, that's why he said, why are you so fearful, so full of fear? How is it that you have no faith? Now he's asking them a question. Is he comforting them? 
What's he doing? He's asking them a question, isn't he? What's the question? Why are you so full of fear? Why don't you have faith? Well, a question from the Lord should be answered. What was their answer? Hmm? What could the answer have been? Did you see their response when he said that, verse 41? What's their response? So, having heard that, they feared exceedingly. (laughs) They're not doing so hot today. He wants to know, why are you so full of fear? Could they have told him anything? What might they have said as to why they were so afraid? Uh, there's a storm and the lightning is about to hit the boat and the waves are high and the boat's filling full of water and looks like we all going to drown. Wouldn't that be enough reason to be afraid? Not to Jesus. To him, that's not acceptable. Why? Because they have been with him before. They have seen things happen in the ministry. They have seen situation after situation where they were protected, where they were provided for. To him, they had no legitimate excuse for being full of fear. That's why he says, why are you so full of fear? Now, now get to the next part. Why don't you have faith? You know what the implication is? You shouldn't even have wakened me. You should not have even woken me. Why didn't you do something about this? Why didn't you have some faith? Are you with me now? Full of fear equals no faith. Full of faith means no fear. Now even though you start out well, you have to resist fear. Don't you? It's an ever-present thing that if you yield to, it'll cost you your faith. You remember when uh, Jairus' daughter, you know, was near death and dying, and they sent word for Jesus to come minister, and on the way there, they sent other people and said, don't bother the master any longer. You know, she's already dead. And what did he turn and look at Jairus and say? What did he say? Fear not. Only believe. Well now, why would he tell him that? Because what's he saying? If you get in fear, you're going to mess this up. Right? If it wasn't that way, he wouldn't have said it. He would have just said, oh, you know, you're going to do what you're going to do. I'll go fix it for you. Don't worry about it. People try to believe that's how it was, but it wasn't. The reason he was heading that way is because they had faith. Now, if they quit having faith, it's going to hinder him to complete this. Elsewise, he would not have turned and said, don't be afraid. Only believe. Turn to your neighbor and say that. Fear not. Only believe. Tell somebody else. Fear not. Only believe. Is it okay to do both? Is it okay to mix them up some? No, no, no. I mean, fear is contraband to us. We must not be caught with any. None. 
Now let me go into some areas sometimes that people may not have recognized. Go to John, please. The 11th chapter. No, no. First of all, Matthew 25. Then John. Matthew 25. Are faith and fear compatible? No, No, they're not. Yielding to fear will do what to your faith? It'll displace it. It'll replace it. Right? And fear is an open door for the enemy to destroy. Matthew 25. Now this is what's called the parable of the talents. Notice in Matthew 25, verse 24. 25, 24. He which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew that you are a hard man. Reaping where you've not sown and gathering where you've not strawed. And I was what? I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the earth. And lo, here you have what is yours. And the Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reaped where I sowed not and gathered where I have not strawed. You ought therefore to have put my money to the exchangers. And then at my coming, I should have received mine own with usury or interest. Take therefore the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. This man made a mistake, didn't he? He did the wrong thing. Why did he do the wrong thing? Because he was afraid. Now I want you to get this real clear friends. Being led by fear. Is not being led by the Lord. Being led and motivated by fear. Will direct you into the wrong place. At the wrong time. It will direct you into failure. And destruction and loss. And don't think that you've never done it or that it's not a real issue. It is something every day you have to stay on your toes and watch and examine yourself. Why am I doing this? You get all kind of things about, you know, people believe in God and won't go to the doctor. Or people believe God and they won't, you know, do anything else except totally trust the doctor on everything. Well, let's take the not going to the doctor thing. I worked in healing school for years. And uh, so many times people are saying, well, I just believe God, I just believe God. And the issue was they were afraid to go. So they're not being led by the Lord telling them not to go. They're afraid to go and they're being led by fear. They're not in faith about their healing. They're in fear as to what might be found. Are y'all with me now? Staying away from the doctor doesn't heal you. Throwing away medicine doesn't heal you. Does it? No. Uh-uh. Faith, faith, faith. Your faith makes you whole. And faith is not afraid to face anything. Or hear anything. Right? Yeah, but they might give you a bad report. Well, what if they do? 
You already got a good report in here that you can stand on to change that. Here, he made a decision to go hide this. What he decided to do with the resources God gave him was led by fear. Everybody say, I am not fear led. I am not fear motivated. Now, friend, this is easier said than done. You have to examine your motives. You have to examine your heart every day. Why am I doing that? Well, no, I just decided I'm not going to fly. I'm going to drive. Would the Lord lead you to do that? Or are you just afraid to get on that airplane? How many know what I'm talking about? Well, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. Are you motivated by fear? Now, notice this. In John 11. See, the moment he made the decision to go hide that thing, yielding to the fear, it is impossible for him to please God in any part of this. Because he's no longer faith-based and faith and spirit-led, he's fear-led. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So doing things in fear, you cannot please God, you cannot receive his best. John 11, (laughs) y'all are quiet. Everybody close your eyes and say, thank you, Lord, Lord. for helping us. us. Reveal to me me. any fear leading, any fear fear motivation, motivation. fear-based thinking, fear-based actions. actions. Jesus' name. name. John 11, are you there? John 11 And verse 47, then gathered the chief priest and the Pharisees a council, and they said, what do we? For this man does many miracles, and if we let him thus alone, all men will believe on him, and the Romans will come and take away both our place and nation. The decision. That they made as a council to orchestrate the arrest of Jesus and the trial of Jesus and the scourging and crucifixion of Jesus was based on what? Their fear. We're afraid. Now, do you hear this phrase? If we let him alone. Now, here's another side of fear sometimes that people hadn't thought about. It takes faith to keep your hands off of something. It takes faith to be quiet. Fear has to control it. Come on now, God's talking to a lot of people in here this morning. Fear has to control it. Fear has to know what's going to happen next and I got to control it. Fear has to drive. Nobody else can drive. I have to drive. That's not faith. Fear has to be in charge. Fear has to control. They said if we leave him alone, should they have left him alone? (laughs) They shouldn't have touched him. 
But they said, no, no, we can't let this go. We've got to do something about this. We've got to control this. Parents have to watch this. You're supposed to keep up with your children. But so many folk do it in fear. Got to know everything and got to know every minute and got to know. People are that way with their spouses. Where were you? Who were you talking to? Fear. Friend, you've got to understand this. If your child wants to do something, they can. You're not going to be able to watch them 24-7. If your spouse wants to do something, they can. Hmm? Think about the people that God chose to rear Jesus. Joseph and Mary. Remember them? And when Jesus is 12 years old, remember what happened on that day? They didn't know where he was for a whole day and weren't concerned about it. It was only after that that they began to look for him. They said, you know, I mean, go back and read the text and you'll see. I mean, the whole day, for the whole day, they weren't concerned until it was, you know, like 15 hours or something. He's a 12 year old. If that had been a lot of people, they'd have been holding the boy's hand. Got to know everything. I have to keep up. I have to know. Well, you're full of fear. You never know what might happen. What if? What if they don't remember to take their vitamins? You've got people calling their kids at college. Twelve times a day. Did you eat your green beans? Did you wear the right socks with that outfit? Pitiful. I said it's pitiful. It's crippling. It's crippling to young adults. And the fear runs all directions. One of the big fears is they're going to grow up and not need me. So I've got to kind of keep my hand in this thing. So I feel important and I feel needed. Friend, all of that is displeasing to God and all of that is open doors to the enemy to destroy and confuse. Can you see why so many problems are going on in so many areas of Christians' lives? Because so much of what they're doing is fear-based, fear-led. Why did you do it? Why didn't you do it? Got to be honest with yourself. Check your heart. Why did you do that? I'm just afraid if I don't do something, it'll get out of hand. Pastors. That's the hearts. I've seen so many pastors mess up. Somebody in my church trying to start a Bible study. I got to put a stop to it. So I'll get out of hand. What do you mean? <laughs> well, somebody, you know, they're having a meeting over there. I'm afraid my people. You're what? Afraid my people may go over there and get messed up. I got news for you. Your people are going anywhere they want to go. And doing what they, and you can stand up and you can rant and you can rave and you can warn and you can do all you want to. And people are going to do what they want to do. 
God didn't call us as spiritual parents or natural parents to run around scared and try to hear everything and see everything and know everything and control everything that everybody does. He called us to lead. Have a vision. And step out and say, come on, follow me. What if they won't? Then they won't. How are we going to make them? You're not. God won't. You can't. Sides that. Who said there was anything wrong with them going to another meeting? Hmm? Fear-based opens the door to the enemy. Letting fear in pushes your faith out. The more fear you have in you, the less faith you have in you. Look in Galatians 2. I mean, this can happen to anybody. I don't care how long you've walked with God. I don't care what you think you know. Look at what happened to this man of God in Galatians 2. I mean, he certainly knew God, used of God with such amazing miracles. One of the most prominent leaders in the church at the time. And look what happened. Galatians 2. And verse 12, Galatians 2.12, before that certain came from James, he, Peter, did eat with the Gentiles, but when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself. Now let's just stop right here. He pulled away from a group of people in the church, and he separated himself from certain of their things. Did the Lord lead him to do that? Why did he do that? What did he say? Fearing those of the circumcision. He was concerned about what somebody else was going to think about it. This is not somebody who got saved three days ago. This is Peter who stood up on the day of Pentecost, who's seen people healed under his shadow. And yet, every day is a new day. Right? And you have decisions all along. Are you going to believe God? Or are you going to get in fear about this? Yeah, but where's the money going to come from? What if it don't come? What if this happens? I better do something. (laughs) In that shape, you better not. Right? Are y'all with me now? Is this important? See, as leaders, I have to watch myself all the time. All of us got to watch ourselves. I can't let something bug me and shake me and me get up and tell you. Because it's on my mind. Are you with me now? I can't have a big bill or if an offering was not as big as it should be. Or, you know, I can't get up and go, oh, folks. (laughs) Man, our offerings have just been pitiful and I just don't know what we're going to do. If they are, you'll never know it. That's right. Did you hear me? There have been several times that they weren't what they could have been. But it comes from somewhere else. And it comes from somewhere else. And it comes from somewhere. How many know what I'm talking about now? If I get up though, and I Try to motivate you to do something because I'm afraid we won't have enough. Then none of us are in faith anymore. We've got the door wide open to the enemy. 
I'm afraid they're going to do this. I'm afraid they're going to get off. I'm afraid they're going to mess up. I'm afraid they're not going to be where they're supposed to be. I'm afraid. I'm afraid. I'm afraid. Then you are not spirit led. And you're not in faith at all. The whole world around us is fear filled. People operate in fear every day. It, It is so common that to them it is normal. And you working around other people and being around other people all the time, it's almost like you have to come get a shower regularly to get it off of you because it's all around you. It'll contaminate you. And people get to talking about, oh, my Lord, what are we going to do? And if you listen to it long enough, you'll join them. You go, man, I don't know. (laughs) And when you get there. That's when your eyes are off of Jesus and your eyes are on the wind and waves and you are already sinking and don't know it. My father in the faith, Brother Kenneth Hagin, who's in heaven now, he said in pastoring, he said this happened more than once. He and the board or the elders would be talking about different things. And he said sometimes it'd go around all the way around the table and something would come up and somebody would get upset about it. Somebody in the church had done something dumb or some money situation wasn't right. And he said, man, the further that, nothing to pick up and talk about it, listen to talk about it. He said you could just feel the desperation the further they talk. And one of them would look at him and go, my Lord, Brother Hagin, what are we going to do? He'd say, we're just going to act like the Bible's true. (laughs) We're just going to act like God's real and on the throne. He said, just saying that. He said, a lot of times the guys would just lean back in their chair and go, yeah, you know he is. Well, what is that? Can you see what's going on? Talking about the wrong thing, looking at the wrong thing. What happens? Fear begins to come in. You begin to get agitated. You're uneasy. And then you get your eyes back on the right thing, and what happens? Ah, yeah, what was I thinking about? God has met our need every time. He's come through for us every time. What am I sitting here getting worked up for? Right? Can you say amen? Glory be to God. Where are you right now? You're in Branson. Is that right? (laughs) Let me give you one more thought here in closing. Go back to Mark 4 and then find 1 John 4. Mark 4 and 1 John 4. Can you take some more? Mark 4, 1 John 4. Jesus asked them the question in Mark 4. He said, why... Are you so full of fear? Can you answer why? What we've already been talking about? They were looking and thinking and talking about the wrong thing. Right? And not looking at the right thing. He said, how is it that you have no faith? Now you'll see the passage gives insight into why it was that way. Mark 4, are you there? Mark 4, we read verse 40. Now notice this, in verse 38, you see why this thing had such entrance into them. They went back to the back of the ship and woke him, shook him and woke him up. And they said to him, what? Master, 
Carest thou not that we perish? Don't you care? Tell me what faith works by. Faith works by love. What about when you don't believe the love? Or you begin to question the love? What happens to your faith? See, what they're saying is, Lord, are you going to lay here and let us die? Don't you care? This is far more serious than they realize. They are questioning his love for them. Aren't they? And where's their faith? It's gone. They're full of fear. Because they're saying, well, I I thought he cared about us. But I reckon he'd just lay here and let us all drown. Well, you reckon wrong. (laughs) First John 4. Do you see the connection between love and faith? Well, see, what is faith after all? Faith is trust in a person. Right? Well, when they're coming back there questioning him and being a whiny baby. Lord, did you care we're going to drown out here? What They are questioning his love for them. What they're saying is, I don't know if we can trust him or not. Because, you know, he don't act like he even cares about us. I thought he cared about us, but you know, he's just laying there sleeping. <laughs> now, I know we laugh about it, but this happens every day with people. What had he done to cause them to believe he no longer cared about them? The man is taking a nap. (laughs) Right? And from this, they deduce that he don't care about us like he used to. Do you see how the devil works? Gets in there, tries to twist stuff and distort it and get them to believe in Jesus don't care about us. He's just going to lay there and let us die. Don't you care? I just don't think they care about me that much. Now, boy, you start down that path and, oh, 12 demons will come and sit on your shoulder with five boxes of Kleenexes and go, you know, that's right. Ain't it the truth? Well, you can tell if they cared about you, they'd do this. Well, you know if they'd have really cared about you, for sure they'd have done this. There ain't no way that they didn't do that and they care about you. All the things they should have done. (laughs) And the people may be taking a nap. (laughs) Or eating a hamburger. (laughs) Drinking Kool-Aid. And people get around and they talk and think about, you know, what these people, I wonder what they said about me. Probably nothing. (laughs) They probably got more to think about than to sit around thinking about you. You're the one's got a problem. I don't think they was talking about me. You flatter yourself. (laughs) Think that half the church got you on their mind half the time. Talk about pride and presumption. (laughs) 
Help us, Lord. First John 4, are you there? <laughs> I didn't call anybody's name. I don't have anybody specifically in mind. I'm just preaching and teaching. First John 4 and 18, what does it say? First John 4, 18, what does it say? There is no fear in love. How much? God is love. How much fear does God have in him? Could you scare God with anything? Can you make him fret or get nervous about anything? Mm -mm. There's absolutely no fear in him. You and I are made in his image and likeness. Right? His love has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. Are we supposed to have any fear in us? Fear is ungodly. Fear is ungodlike. It is ungodly. He has not one bit of fear in him. How much fear should you have in you? None. What about what might happen? No fear. What if it don't happen? No fear. Do you have to keep up with everything and control everything and have something to say about everything? No, 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 no. Just rest. I trust the Lord's helping me to express this and these communicate. In my own life, everybody goes through some of these things. In my own life, in the early days of ministry, I felt like that to be responsible, I had to keep up with everything. And just wore myself out. Not realizing that there was fear in it. What if this don't turn out right? What if they don't remember to do that? I better go do it myself. And if you want something done right, you know. (laughs) Yeah, if you want a church of 12 people, then you can do that. But if you want a church like ours, that's about to multiply by 10... And this is only part of my job. You know, we don't talk about it, but uh, we have a lot more jobs than this. I have ministers all over the country and world that call us and ask us about things. Churches that they feel like that we are their spiritual father in some ways and that they want us to come and plant seed and and set course and vision in their places well i cannot come behind and see if the carpet is clean or check every toilet seat did you hear me and i have to trust god and i have to trust you right And if you mess up, well, what if you do? I'm going to check your heart. Right? And we're all learning. We're all growing. But why should I roll and miss my nap? (laughs) Concerned that you might go out in town and do something dumb. Or misrepresent us. Hmm? Or forget to do your job. In a thousand years, who will remember? No, I can trust in him. I said, I can trust in him. And I can put faith in you. 
Did you hear me? And I can rest. And that way I live a lot longer. And I'm a lot happier. What did this verse say? There is no fear in love. Before I finish reading it, let me tell you an illustration. There was a a scientist one time was at the zoo. And they had the lion's cage over here. Had the crocodile's cage over here. And this crocodile was laying in the sun. Once in a while he'd open an eye. Just lay there and floated, I mean, for an hour or two. Didn't look like he moved. And uh, the line. <laughs> the scientist said, uh, that crocodile will still be napping in the sun when that lion's bones are bleached. Talking about their heart rates and their lifespans. Fear-based decisions and motivation and thinking and action and response and reaction in your life will make you old before your time. It will make you unpleasant to be around. Your family, your spouse, your children will not enjoy your company. They might still love you, but they won't enjoy being around you. And it can take years off of your life. Oh, but if you actually obey the Bible. Imagine that. If you actually cast all, not part of them, all your cares over on the Lord. If you breathe a sigh of relief. If you keep your mind stayed on Him and your eyes fixed on Him. He will keep you in perfect, perfect peace with long life. He'll satisfy you. He'll show you his salvation and you'll be full of joy and have victory all the while that you're doing it. He said there's no fear in love because what? Perfect love casts out fear. Stand on your feet, please. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.